last Sunday, uh, around the world, there was, in the Christian calendar, there's some benchmarks, um, some, some remembrance days that we celebrate in the Christian calendar. One of them, all of us know, is Christmas, right? Jesus' birth, we celebrate that and the incarnation of God into our world. And then in Easter, we celebrate his death and resurrection. Jesus' death and resurrection, we celebrate the salvation, our salvation and our forgiveness. Um, and then last week, uh, we, we celebrated Pentecost, the church. And some of us aren't as familiar with the Pentecost, but Pentecost was actually an Old Testament festival. And it was the, the, the Jewish people, the Israelites, were, were given these festivals of remembrance. And Pentecost is one of those. And it was actually the, a feast, and we love feasts, and the feast were, was about celebrating the law coming to Moses and being given to the people of Israel. So that's Pentecost. But for the Christian church, Pentecost also had a big significance, right? Um, It was the time uh, in in Acts 2, and we're going to go into more detail, but Acts 2, the disciples were gathered for that feast, right? And the Holy Spirit came upon them and filled them. And that was actually the very beginning of the birth of the Christian church. So it's actually, Pentecost is actually the birth of the church. So happy belated birthday to the church, right? And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to go a little bit more in depth and go, what does that mean when the Holy Spirit came to the disciples? How did that change everything? If you're like me, and most of you are not like me, I get it. My wife tells me there's not very many people like me. Um, After 18 years of marriage today, um, 18 years, Um, and there's not very many people like me. But if you are like me in any way, you grew up probably in the, I, I grew up in the church, right? And we talked a lot about God and about Jesus, but but I've always struggled to understand um, Holy Spirit. Sometimes um, Holy Spirit is kind of the forgotten one, the, the third wheel. It's like when, when I was watching Hamilton and then the Schuyler sisters come out and they sing their big number and it's like, Angelica, Eliza, and Peggy, right? It's like God, Jesus, and then, oh yeah, Holy Spirit, right? Oh yeah, right? It, Holy Spirit is not supposed to be the third wheel. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What is the role of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity? My heart, as we walk away today, is that you experience the Holy Spirit in a new way. That you understand that you can be set free and empowered to live lives of flourishing everywhere, anywhere you are. So let me pray for us um, before we start and jump into the word, okay? Holy Spirit, I am so, so amped up right now to, to be able to, to speak about your power and your presence. 
and my desire is for us as a community to, to know you and to, to embrace you. And so, Lord, would you come? Holy Spirit, come. You are already here, but would we see you and would we experience you? In Jesus' name, amen. So we start in Acts 2, and let me give you a little bit of background. The disciples are all in one place, right? Not just the 12, but in Acts 1.15, it says that the company of persons was in all about 120. They had um, been together and gathered together for that great feast of Pentecost, and something crazy happens. Acts 2, 1 through 13, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It's like, right? And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested. Basically, it was distributed to them on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Paphilia, Egypt and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and uh, Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But But others mocked and said, they are filled with new wine. So Holy Spirit, comes in the form of a mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire. And he gives them the ability to speak in different languages. I don't want to get lost in the weeds here and talk about what that looks like or what was happening, but but what I want to, to focus on is like, what is the result? When Holy Spirit shows up in this instance, the disciples were empowered to speak in clear, understandable foreign languages. And they spoke about the works of God. The crowds were amazed and they were perplexed. But then there was a group, right? There was a group that was like, those guys are drunk. So Peter, now filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, comes to the crowd and begins to preach. We look at verse 14 through 18. This is what Peter says. Peter, standing in the, uh, with the eleven, lifted up his voice 
and address them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's 9 a.m. We're not drunk yet, right? (laughs) Yet. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And Peter goes on and tells them more about who this Jesus is for the next couple verses. Now there's, there's a, a pastor and writer that I, I love following right now. His name is Rich Velotis. Last week during um, Pentecost week, he, he tweeted this out. I love that on the first Pentecost Sunday, it is the Apostle Peter who preaches this same Peter had just denied Jesus a few weeks earlier. The Holy Spirit is not a reward for good behavior and unwavering faith. The Holy Spirit is a gift to those who turn to Jesus and wait on him. Holy Spirit did something in Peter that gave him the courage, the confidence to stand up and preach despite a few weeks before denying Jesus in the courtyard. He thought he was done. He thought God would, Jesus would give up on him. But only a few weeks later, Holy Spirit empowers him. You see, what I believe happened is, is the verse in 1 Corinthians 3.17. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this. You see, the word says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Peter was set free from guilt and shame because the Spirit of the Lord was on him. Friends, the Spirit of the Lord is the Holy Spirit. It's the same. And where the Holy Spirit is, there is freedom. There's freedom. Peter felt the freedom from shame. He felt the freedom from guilt, from all the things that he messed up with, with Jesus a few weeks ago. All of a sudden, Holy Spirit came and he feels the freedom to preach and teach the word of God. How many times have you thought, I wish I could just go back in time and be with Jesus? I think I had that that thought all growing up, right? Just, I want to just know what it's like to sit at the feet of Jesus and be with Jesus. If Jesus was here, I could do so much, right? Jesus has made it possible for us to be with him now. Through the Holy Spirit, we have access to be with Jesus. He's working in your life. He's working in your life. He's working in my life. 
Hold on, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So Peter, he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. He preaches to the crowds. He says, we're not drunk. Let me tell you what's happening. Basically, friends, the prophecy of Joel is happening. You're seeing it happen right now. Prophecy in the Old Testament was, was about a special anointed person. It was always about the person who was speaking truth on behalf of God. A lot of times exposing the sin of the people and telling them what type of punishment was coming for them if they didn't repent and change their ways. Prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Joel. But Peter begins to reframe what's happening. He says that prophecy is actually going to happen. This prophecy, the prophecy of Joel is pouring out his spirit. It's anointing all flesh, sons and daughters, young and old, slaves, male slave and female slaves, servants. What's happening here? Joel is opening up, uh, sorry, Peter is opening up this idea, this, this prophecy from Joel. He says, your sons and your daughters. This is revolutionary, right? In the time that is being spoken, it was a male-dominated society. Women had no place. But he says, not just the men, but the women, your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. The young and the old, the little ones will have, dream dreams and have visions. The older ones, not like you're young and old, but you know what I mean, right? The same thing that Dan was talking about, 12-year-olds to 102-year-olds, you all have a place. All, all flesh. This prophecy is about telling the truth of God, talking about his mighty works, how he's working in your life, in your life, in your life. It's about combating the lies of the enemy, declaring the name of Jesus into one another's lives. That's a prophetic word. Holy Spirit uses Peter to preach the good news. And the good news for you and for me, it says in Acts 2.38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you have been if you have repented, big word, but basically that's the change of your mind and your heart. Your mind and your heart posture has been changed towards Jesus. And if you have been baptized, we are, 
he is probably talking about the water baptisms going down and coming up. But what that is, is an outward expression of the declaration that I am following Jesus. Right? So two things that we need to ask ourselves. Have you made that decision to follow Jesus and let other people know? And if you have, here's the second question. Do you know or do you believe that you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? I think many of us understand. We read the scriptures and we know that you're supposed to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But there's something that blocks it. We carry a lot of baggage. We carry a ton of baggage when it comes uh, to the work and understanding of Holy Spirit. Here's my experience. I grew up in and around the church. Literally, I was born and we lived in the, the house next door to the church, the parsonage. And so I was always around the church building playing. And I was always in church And I remember we learned a lot about God and Jesus. And then, oh yeah, Holy Spirit, Peggy, right? And it was there. But that was kind of the extent of it. And then as I got older, I had experiences with, uh, in college, with a more charismatic group that was, uh, like, we were in an upper room, literally in an upper room of, of this house, and there was a prayer meeting, and all of a sudden it got chaotic. It got weird, and it was extreme, in my opinion, right? And I ran out of the room, because I was like, what was that? And my sister was like, that's the Holy Spirit. And I was like, that's holy crazy, right? I don't know what's going on in there. So I stepped away, Right? And here's the thing. I grew up in the 80s, right? I grew up in the 80s, a little bit of the 90s. And then um, during that time, Holy Spirit stuff, the things I saw on TV, purple hair ladies with lots of makeup crying and, and prophesying, right? And then there were these men and, it, on large stages with, like, white suits and, like, big gestures about, you're healed, And to me, that was weird. To me, I was like, I don't know what to do with that, you know? And so then there was the other pendulum swing where it was like listening to men uh, preach and teach about that stuff was for the book of Acts, and that's it. And let me tell you when the Holy Spirit is working, because I'm educated. And I'll let your leaders tell you what is actually happening. And there was, a, there was a lot of, you know, the thumb on you and the restrictions and rigidness. And so those are the two extremes. I don't know if any of you relate to that and, and how you understand Holy Spirit and, and, and things like that. I've come a long way. And let me submit to you, Missio, that that God is not wild and chaotic, weird, 
nor is he rigid and demanding. Jesus is not wild, chaotic, weird, nor is he rigid and demanding. So why would Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, be wild, chaotic, weird, or rigid and demanding? He's the same. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are the same. The same Spirit of God, the same Spirit of the Lord, right? So we have to do some work personally. I had to do some work personally. We have to get rid of some of those stereotypes, those biases, and we have to let them go because they're not the representation of Christ. They're not the representation of the Spirit of the Lord. There are biases in our stereotypes. You see, the Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I missed one, but you know what I mean. It's, it's not wild and chaotic. It's not demanding and rigid. Holy Spirit has so much more to offer. Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going away, but I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, a helper, an advocate. Why would Jesus send us somebody who is all the other things that make us cringe? The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has been sent to us as a gift. And we have access to that gift. How am I doing on time? Okay. Uh, if I had talked to you about the church in Acts 2, a lot of you guys know what I'm referencing, right? So Acts 2, 42 through 47. Let's read it. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came up upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as had need. And day by day, attend, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The church teaches this passage um, and lifts it up as the pinnacle of what church community should look like. And rightly so. It's an amazing picture. But how do you think it's possible? How do you think that the early church was able to do this? We think that just, uh, we just got to try harder to make this happen. We got to be less selfish, sell our things, meet everybody's needs, and each day, uh, we have to just muster up more, 
more character, more godliness, more selflessness to be able to get this Acts 2 church. Friends, it's impossible. This vision is impossible in our own flesh. This vision does not happen because I can muster up selflessness. I am the most selfish person I know. I'm selfish to the core. I couldn't imagine living this kind of way for a week, let alone a day. Okay, I can do it for a day. I think I can do it for a day. But, but this is happening. This is the description of the early church. Guys, this is Holy Spirit-empowered community. This is happening because the Holy Spirit is moving within them, changing them, empowering them to live selflessly, to be more like Jesus. It's not because they're able to muster up goodness in them or selflessness in them. We've tried, right? So let me ask you, why? Why aren't we seeing the Acts 2 church being lived out more often? Why aren't we seeing the signs and wonders, the healings, the dreams, the visions, the prophetic words more often in our community? Did we not receive the Holy Spirit? When we prayed to receive Jesus, we we repented and we made decisions and declarations to follow Jesus. According to Peter, we received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So why? Why don't we see this on a regular basis? Why aren't we seeing power so that we can do the work of the kingdom? This is what I've understood now. The triune God has never forced himself on us. God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, Holy Spirit, will never force himself on you. That's abuse. God does not force himself on us. We always have a choice. We always have decisions to make. It's not like Holy Spirit takes over my body like a zombie and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go heal you. I'm going to speak prophecy over you. That's not how it works. Right? Holy Spirit won't just take over and possess me. What I've learned is this. There's a few things that actually have to happen. And I'm going to try and rush through it because I don't want to... Okay, we're going we're to get there. The first thing is believe. I have to believe that the word of God is true. When I read the book of Acts and see Holy Spirit, and see how he moves, how he acts, why he shows up, what he does. I have to believe that. 
Number two, pray. Ask Holy Spirit to come. One of the most powerful prayers you can pray is, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. What are you doing? What are you saying? You're saying, I want Jesus here. I want the Spirit of God here. Come. And when Holy Spirit shows up, man. I mean, it was like the song that Kelly was leading us in. I I can't remember it right now. (laughs) And you don't want me to sing it. But when he moves, right? When he moves, it leads us to tears. It leads us to our knees. When he moves, healing happens. When he moves, come Holy Spirit. So pray. The third thing I'm learning and understanding is this idea of surrender and submission. One of the hardest things for a Western mindset is to surrender and submit. Because we we want to control everything. On our phones, we have our schedules, our calendars, our plans, our timers. We want order. We want to order our lives. We want to actually just control everything. God's timing. How God's moving in this room. Literally, we want things are happening up front with kids running around, and I want to go, stop! I want to control that. But that's not the Spirit of God. Surrendered submission means we put down our agenda and we join Holy Spirit on His timeline and how He wants to move. And honestly, I don't think Holy Spirit has a Western mindset or an American mindset. Yes, I said it. Holy Spirit has a kingdom mindset. It's an upside-down culture. It's an upside-down mindset. Right? So when he moves, he can move however he wants. And our response is to submit. Our response is to surrender the control and say, come Holy Spirit. To do that, number four, it takes courage and risk. When you surrender and submit to Holy Spirit, it takes courage and risk to step out in obedience. You may have to sell your possessions. You may have to be called to to speak prophetic words, to pray for others for their healing. But this is is what we're doing. That courageousness and that risk is the willingness to try and fail to try and to fail. Not to try and fail. To to try, step out and, and try and be willing to fail. It takes courage. It takes risks. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom to try and to fail. Last thing, and I stole this from Rich Velotas too, so I need to give him credit. The last one, it's not about you. 
It's not about you. Holy Spirit is not just about personal, private, religious experiences. Spirit is poured out to establish a new family in Christ. Yes, Holy Spirit, when Holy Spirit comes, there is a personal change and transformation. There is healing that happens. But it's not for you only. Spirit is poured out to establish a new family in Christ. Because when I'm healed, my wife is healed. When I'm healed, my son is healed. When I'm healed, my daughter is healed. When I'm healed, you all, this community, is healed. When I find transformation, you find transformation. When I find boldness and courage because of the Holy Spirit, you will find boldness just like I will. I did. And I am. Does that make sense? It's not about me. Jesus didn't die just for me. He died for the whole world. So those are the things that I'm learning about Holy Spirit. It's taken me 46 years to get here. And I'm still scratching the surface of this power of the Holy Spirit. In my life, I do not see tongues of fire and I do not feel rushing wind when Holy Spirit shows up. But I have experienced something more powerful. I have experienced something way more powerful. When Holy Spirit showed up in my life, just three years ago, when I was struggling with standing up here and having panic attacks, Holy Spirit showed up in my life through a counselor and said, you're enough. Stop worrying about what people think. You are more than enough. You are my child. You are my son. Just stand up and be my son. My panic attack stopped. I haven't had a panic attack up here since then, three, four years ago. That's powerful. In my life, as I'm struggling with mourning, as I struggle with grief, Holy Spirit shows up on a walk that I'm taking and I'm pissed and I'm crying. I'm saying, I don't have a mom anymore who can tell me, good job, son. Keep going, son. You're okay. I love you. I lost that physical person in my life. Holy Spirit shows up and says, let me be your mom. And I was like, you can't be my mom. My mom's a woman. <laughs> right? That's how crazy my head starts going. I lost my mom. And Jesus showed up through the Holy Spirit and says, let me be your mom. So when I feel like I'm not enough, when I need that pep talk, when I need my mom, I say, come Holy Spirit. Be my mom. Be here for me. 
That is powerful. That is what we're talking about when we say the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to you. You have access. It doesn't have to be crazy and chaotic and weird. It doesn't have to be rigid. The Spirit of God comes to where you are and brings power and healing. Not just for you, but for the community that you are in. That's why when you read Acts 2, numbers, thousands were coming daily because they were living in the power of the Holy Spirit and they knew they had that gift. I can keep going and going. I can tell you story after story of what God is doing in my life right now. But I want to give you a chance to respond. And I'll go back to those two questions from before. Have you made that decision to follow Jesus and let people know that you have? And I'm not talking about say this prayer so you can go to heaven. I'm past that. I'm saying, have you mentally and in your heart decided that you want Jesus more than you want the world? Have you made that decision? That you're willing to say, I'm done with that because it's not working for me. I want Jesus. And if you have, the second question is, do you believe that you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to ask Kelly and and Thomas to come up and keep leading us. But I'm going to let you sit with that for a second. Do you believe that you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Have you made that decision to follow Jesus? Have you let anyone know that? So, all my notes are done. (laughs) I finished looking at him this morning and going, what are you going to do, Holy Spirit? I don't have a pretty bow to wrap this up. I can't conjure up anything. But I sent Holy Spirit actually saying, invite the community, those who want Holy Spirit to show up, those who desire that power, that filling of the Holy Spirit, to be courageous enough to stand up 
And as you do, I'll, I'll pray over you. Not that I have any magic in me or any type of authority besides being a child of God. But if you want to experience Holy Spirit in a new way, stand up and let me pray over you. And for those who have maybe made a decision today to follow Jesus, like, come see me. I'm not going to make you stand up in front of everybody, but, but come see me. Tell me. Let's celebrate. Let's talk about how Holy Spirit's, what Holy Spirit is going to do in your life. Yeah, for those of you that want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit, stand and let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, uh, you see your children. You see those who have stood, who say they want this. They want the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. They want the gift that you offer. Jesus, I remember in your word, in John, it says that you, you told the disciples that you were leaving and that you were going to send a helper I love that image as the helper, the advocate. And even in, in Matthew, when you left and you, you gave us the great commission, and you said, I will be with you till the end of the age. Holy Spirit, you are the one that is with us. You are the spirit of the living God. You are the spirit that indwelled and empowered Jesus. You are the spirit that we have been gifted as we prayed to receive you as our Lord and Savior, you gave us yourself. And so come, Holy Spirit, come upon our community, those who are standing, those who are still questioning. We pray for your power and your authority, your presence to fall upon us this day, today. Because you love us, because you want to be present with us. So we will submit our lives and we continue to do that to experience your power and authority in our lives and that you would move greatly for your kingdom through these people. We pray for healing in the places that we thought we would never be healed. We pray for grace where we are not graceful with ourselves. We pray for healing, physical and mental, emotional healing that we have been hurt by others. Our body is falling apart, whatever it is. We pray for healing because you have the power and the authority to heal. And finally, Lord, I pray 
that this is not just for each individual person's religious experience, but Lord, that it would go out and it would flourish into the community, into their family lives, into their school lives, into their work lives, into their community and their neighborhoods, that you would show up in powerful, miraculous ways for our people. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.